As we continue in this, in this series, and this is our last week in the series, What is the Gospel? The Gospel, the quick, quick summary. The first month we looked through just some of the specific truths of the gospel. We looked at the gospel story as a whole so that we could see the whole narrative of God's redemptive plan. Then we looked at what is justification, sanctification, glorification, important truths that remind us of God's redemptive plan in theology and what, how that means in our lives. Then we looked at gospel identity, gospel fluency, and this week we're going to look at gospel rhythms. This is really a, a continuation of last week. As we think about gospel fluency, we talked about what, it mean, what does it mean to have the gospel uh, on our tongues at all times. To be fluent in a language means that you can speak it really without thinking. In fact, you actually think in that language. And so to have gospel fluency means that we are just naturally speaking the truth of God's word into all situations of lives. Well, this week, I want to look at what we are calling gospel rhythms. What are the actions? What are the rhythms of our life that we want to take in order to be faithful to how we live and carry out our lives to be faithful to the gospel? Philippians 1.27, a text we looked at a couple weeks ago when we were looking at gospel identity, who we are in Christ, but it'll also be a text for us today. Philippians 1.27 only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. We looked at let your manner of life was one, uh, one Greek word that has the root in it for politics or polis, city. Meaning, let your citizenship, this is word is translated exactly in that manner in other contexts. Meaning, let your citizenship, how you live your life, prove that you are a citizen of the gospel of Christ Jesus. Meaning when we give our life to Christ, our home is ultimately not here on earth, but is with Christ in heaven. We just quoted it, that he made us alive together with Christ, and he raised us with him, and what? He seated us with him in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. And so what does it mean to let our manner of life be worthy? The gospel we looked at, that we allow the gospel of Christ to impact our identity, and then we go live out of that identity. Well, this week, I want to give us specific ways in which we might be able to do that to be intentional in gospel living. Our main text that's going to kind of give the framework for my thoughts today is Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6 says this. Paul, writing to the church in Colossae, says this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Paul, telling the church and giving directions on how they are to pray, he starts by saying, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. The idea of being watchful is to be on guard. As if for yourself, pray for yourself and allow that, those prayers to be actions of how you continue to think about uh, walking faithfully with the Lord and continue to walk faithfully with the Lord. It's very similar in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus tells us to pray and he teaches us to pray and protect us from the evil one, protect us from the enemy, protect us and allow us not to go in temptation. It's a, it's a prayer of watchfulness. It's a prayer of paying attention of who you are and what's going on in your life. So it's a prayer of just faithfulness to the Lord. But then he says this, at the same time, verse 3, and this relates to our topic today, at the same time, pray also for us, 
that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. What is he telling the church to pray for? He's praying, he's telling the church to pray that Paul and others with him would have opportunities to evangelize and share the gospel. It's pretty straightforward. Yesterday we did a prayer walk around the three sites that we're going to do Summer Blast, and that's precisely what we prayed for. We prayed that God would open up doors and opportunities for us to share the gospel and tell people about the good news of Jesus. And Paul's telling the church, pray this for me. Pray this for us, that as we, as ministers and preachers and apostles of the gospel, are called to go and proclaim the gospel, might you as the church pray that the Lord would open up the door for the word, for the truth of God's word. Not just open it up in people's hearts. In context, he's saying just open up opportunities for us to share. Whether it's uh, in the community center, whether it's sitting around with philosophers as he does in Athens, or whether it's just in a synagogue, would you allow opportunities, would you pray that God would open up opportunities for us to then faithfully share the word and declare the mystery of Christ? Now, when we hear this idea of mystery, we often think of as something that is unknown or is a secret, but when we see mystery as how Paul uses it, we see it clearly in Ephesians. We see it here in Colossians. If you were to do a study on the word mystery, he has already defined what the mystery is, as if to say it's no longer a mystery. But in the context of Old Testament to New Testament, in the Old Testament, the mystery of Christ was a mystery to the Old Testament, meaning they hadn't seen Christ yet. They hadn't seen his salvation. They hadn't seen who he was. But Paul's saying, now we have seen Christ. So the mystery of God's redemptive plan is now revealed, give us an opportunity to declare it. As if to say it's no longer a mystery. The answer is clearly given. Ephesians 3 talks about specifically the mystery, if you want to go and read it. And he says clearly what the mystery is, Jesus Christ. So he's saying, give, pray for us to have opportunities to evangelize and share the gospel. But then he goes on and says this in verse 5. Praying, now he's speaking to the church. The first part was for himself. Now he's speaking to the church. What does he say to the church? Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. He starts out by saying, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, very similar to Philippians 1 of, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Notice, and here, here's, here's the challenge I want us to begin to see, is that when it comes to Paul and the preachers of the gospel, he prays for boldness and opportunities for them to speak. But when it comes to the church, he references how they live, not what they say. Notice this. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time, meaning be intentional in how you use your time. Be intentional how you use your life. Then, he says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Two things I want you to notice about their speech there. One, their speech isn't in reference to evangelism. It's not in reference to the word or the mystery of Christ. That was specifically for Paul. Then, he says, he talks about speech in response to an answer or response to a question meaning they give an answer. It implies that someone has asked them about their lives. Here's here's what I want to say, and I want to begin to unpack this for a second. As we talk about evangelism, rightfully so, I'm going to say two things that sound somewhat contradictory, but you're just going to have to walk with me in logic and argument. 
Last week, we talked about gospel fluency, and we talked about the importance for every person to be able to speak the gospel fluently, to be able to apply the God's redemptive plan into situations, to be able to speak hope against difficult situations. Then we did an evangelism training where Doran walked us through how to share the gospel in practical ways. So all of us should be equipped and be willing and able to understand how the gospel impacts our lives and be able to speak into that. But with that being said, I also now want us to make this statement. Not all of us are gifted in the same way to share the gospel. And not all of us have the same call to share the gospel. Now, some of you are like, pastors have been telling me the opposite of that my entire life. That all of us are called to share the gospel equally. But here's, here's, here's where that... F- Here's where the problem comes with that. How many of you have heard that, as I did, rightfully growing up? And I want you to, I'm going to unpack it from the text. I'm not just giving my opinion, but give me a moment. I want you to see what I'm trying to say. All of us should be able to communicate the gospel, but not all of us are called to be evangelists on the street corner. Not all of us are gifted that way. Not all of us have the training and ability in the same way Paul does. Notice Paul doesn't pray for them to do the same thing he's doing. He says he prays that he, understanding that God's called him in a unique way as an apostle to go preach and to evangelize, that he would have opportunities to do so, and that the rest of the church will come to what they are to do. But here's the point. If we all look at this and go, I'm, and you hear statements like we're all supposed to share the gospel, which we are, but then we compare all of us to whom? Paul? Other preachers you may think of? Other evangelists that you know? And then you look at that and go, I can't do that. And the truth is, we can't all evangelize the same. We can't. And if we think we can, then that just means when I compare myself to others, I just begin to feel like a failure. And I begin to feel like I'm not useful to God because I've been told my whole life that I'm supposed to be as good as Paul. Or I'm supposed to be good as Tim Keller or Brian Whitaker or someone else who's just incredibly gifted at sharing the gospel. And I look at that and go, I'm not that good though. And you may think, even say that about me as the preacher. You may look at me and go, if Jonathan tells me I'm supposed to share the gospel like him, like, I don't, I don't have the training he does. That's not saying you can't and you're not competent and God doesn't want to use you. It's just recognizing that there are some in God's church who he has called uniquely to share the gospel. That does not mean if you don't share that calling that you have no purpose in sharing the gospel. But here's what Paul's saying. That you should live your life in such a way that it's questionable to others around you. We actually talked about this two weeks ago with gospel identity. We said that let your manner of life be such that people recognize that you live so incredibly different where they begin to ask you about your life. This, then let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that what? You may know how you ought to answer each person. What do you mean answer? It's assuming people are asking you questions. It's assuming that people are recognizing how you're being faithful to the truth of God's word and maybe you're making stances. Had a conversation with someone right before church of asking about some difficult cultural conversations and where does the church speak to this and how does the church stand up? And I made the statement that we've got to learn and as I'm learning that we've got to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. That we've got to be able to stand firm on what we believe, but at the same time do it in such a gracious way towards others who may think differently than us. Meaning that we must live in such a way that we stand by the truth of the gospel, we stand by God's word, and we love on others and care for others in such a way they ask us about what's going on in our lives. So here's, here's the challenge and then the freedom from the challenge I want you to see. 
The freedom is not all of us are going to be gifted and called to share the gospel in the same way. But all of us are called to share the gospel. So let's be clear. I want you to see how I'm balancing these two ideas. We all must have gospel fluency and be able to communicate the truth of God's word. But we're not all called to be street evangelists. We're not all called to be preachers. We're not all called to be teachers of God's word. But we are all called to live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ to the point that your life is questionable in a good way. Your life is questionable where people go, something's different. Usually we talk about questionable like they're doing something shady. You got someone in coworker doing something shady and be like, man, we got we to we ask some questions. Take that idea but flip it to the positive. Like why are, do they care for me that way? Why, why do they talk to me? Sometimes that's just nice in New York. Like someone's talking to me. Like, but we live in such a way that's questionable to the positive. So here's the question I want to ask, and then y'all are going, he said he was going to be short, but we haven't started filling anything in yet. Well, these are all applications, and we're about to get to it, all right? <laughs> here's the question I want us to reflect on, and then I'm going to start filling in these blanks. I want you to reflect on the rhythms of your life, rhythms, habits, how you go about your life. A habit is something you do similar to fluency without thinking. It's just part of who you are. Last week, we talked about our language should be fluent, the gospel. We should be able to speak the hope of God's word in all situations. This week, we're talking about what are the rhythms or the habits of our life that are just a part of our life that we do them without thinking. That doesn't mean we aren't intentional. We are very intentional, but we come so intentional with them, we do it ultimately without thinking. So once you reflect on the rhythms of your life, which of them are, motiv- are motivated primarily by your faith in the gospel? We all have a lot of habits. For example, brush my teeth is a habit. It's not motivated by the gospel. That's okay. Not everything has to be. But we have a lot of things in our life that are habits that aren't motivated by the gospel. Many of us have a habit of just waking up and grabbing our phones. Right? Because we have things that trigger us, positive or negative, that are habits. So which of those habits are primarily by your faith? Maybe it's waking up and hitting the ground and praying first thing you do. That's a good habit to have to be motivated by your faith or the gospel. Maybe it's natural for you to read your Bible and some of these other habits that are built. But what are they? And the challenge would be, let us have habits and rhythms of gospel focus. Here's five, um, here's an acronym. And there's a lot of acronyms that you could use around this idea of five gospel rhythms for living sense is kind of what I'm calling them. Uh, There's a lot of good books, a lot of different things, talk about missional living and things like that. But um, Five gospel rhythms. Here's why I'm giving you the one I'm giving you. I, don't, I didn't come up with it. I don't remember who did, and I can't remember the book. But I do remember reading it about 10 years ago, and I still remember it. That's the point I'm giving it to you. It's easy to remember, and I find it helpful and beneficial. So this week when I was preparing, I looked for that book. I was like, I know there's a book. I want to be able to reference it. I want to be able to say who the author is. I think it's Dave something. I don't really know. Uh, but I couldn't find it. But I could remember this acronym because it's helpful and easy to remember. And so that's why I wanted to pass it along to you of what it, five gospel rhythms of living sent. First, this is all practical, but let us begin with prayer. And in everything we do as we think about living intentional lives of living sent. And that language of living sent, once again, coming to our vision cube, we talk about a manner of live our life in a manner worthy of the gospel that speaks to gospel maturity. We have three Uh, measures of maturity at our church that speak to us living mature. Those are the three banners on this wall. First one is 
A mature believer will live surrender to the lordship of Jesus. Second, we believe a mature Christian will live surrender to the community, or excuse me, live surrounded by a community of faith. And then thirdly, live sent to the world around them. So we're talking about living sent today. And so what those five gospel rhythms of living sent, the first one is begin with prayer. We recognize that God is on, a re, on his own mission to redeem people. The, the gospel is not ultimately our mission. It's not our plan. It's not our good news, meaning it originated with us. But it's, it's Christ. He is on a mission The Spirit of God is on a mission to redeem and renew all of his creation through the work of Jesus. We get to be a part of that. And so when we think about living intentional, what we're talking about is what does it mean to live in the flow of the Spirit's work of redemption in other people's lives and in the world around them? And when we pray, we're not asking God necessarily to bless our evangelism, but we're saying, God, where are you at work? Show me and allow me to get on board with that. It's a, it's a prayer of alignment. It's a prayer of blessing. It's the reason why even with Summer Blast, we're doing these prayer walks. And we have two more prayer walks. On the back of the handout, you see announcements. We've got two more prayer walks coming up. We want to encourage you to come be a part of those. Why? Because we believe that prayer matters. And so we begin with prayer. So when we think about living sent to the world around us, begin to pray for your neighbors. Begin to pray for your coworkers by name. Write them down. And begin to pray. Begin to pray asking God to give you boldness and courage. Paul would tell the church to pray for Paul. And if Paul needs prayer, I need prayer. And if Paul needs prayer, you need prayer. And so pray for yourself and pray for others as we begin. And allow our missional living to be focused on that. Second, as we encounter people, here's kind of a process that we encourage you to think through. Is Would you listen to people? One of the... One of the things I've learned as a pastor, there's pastoral counseling that happens. And a lot of times pastoral counseling is just listening. You ever had a good friend just listen to you? And then they didn't really say anything, but afterwards you were like, thanks for talking to me. And they were thinking, I didn't say nothing. But what did they do? They just listened because you were able to talk it out. Imagine the power of that to your coworker who you take the time to slow down. You're not so focused on your career or your job or other things you got to do, but you're willing to slow down and listen to them in a way that other people won't. Just listen to their story. Listen to their hurts. Listen for ways that the gospel can speak into their lives. You're not listening them to just try to accomplish something, but you're listening to them because you actually care about them. And you love on them, but you listen to them. Sometimes I think when it comes to evangelism or it just comes to Christianity, we're quick to tell the world what's up. We're quick to tell the world where we think they're wrong. And we're oftentimes as Christians known by the world more, against, more about what we're against than what we're for because we are so quick to talk. And maybe we just need to slow down and listen and see what God's already working and how he may be working in other people's lives. So we begin with prayer. They want to encourage you to listen to people. If you meet someone and you're encountering them on the street or you're encountering them in the workplace or you're encountering one of your neighbors and you're going, we're in this series about gospel fluency. And so, you know, all you're doing is paying attention to how you can bring up Jesus and you're missing the reality that they're telling you about a difficult situation and that needs Jesus. We could be so quick to be worried about what we're going to say that we don't listen to what it really is going on in people's lives. And I believe a gospel rhythm is to listen to the world around you to listen to what's going on, to listen to ways that you can genuinely step in to love and to care. But another way that you work out a gospel habit is thirdly, you eat with people. You eat with people, right? When we think about 
meetings, practical meetings. Um, if, if you have an opportunity to grab a meal, that's more special than just meeting in someone's office. It is. It's even a little more valuable than coffee. Sometimes you may, your calendar doesn't allow certain one or the others, but coffee, meal. And when you sit down and have a meal, you share something with one another. It's one of the reasons why the most precious moment with Jesus and his disciples was over what? A meal. And that Jesus promises one day when he returns that he is going to take us to, with him into glory. And we're going to what? Eat a meal. There's something special about eating with others and breaking bread and sharing with one another. One of our values, again, coming back to the vision cube, is radical hospitality. Might we show that radical hospitality and we invite people into our home, eat with them, and begin to strengthen relationships and just love and care for them. And then thirdly, or excuse me, fourthly, is that we serve them. These are so simple. But find intentional ways where you could serve this person or serve others. This is a tangible need. You may recognize that they need something. I remember um, it was, I mean, it was, I was, I think it was one of the times I was overseas. I, I think I was in London and I was coming back and my neighbor, who's not a believer, but we had a, had a good friendship, uh, he mowed my yard while I was gone. And I just remember feeling really blessed by that. Like I was just really grateful that he was willing to serve me by mowing my yard while I was gone just because we were friends. He wanted to serve me. And I remember thinking the impact of that. Now, many of us may not have yards now or you may not have to, a yard to mow, but there's, there's ways that people need help in our community and in this church and in this world. And why can we not serve? And then, of course, lastly, not necessarily last because of importance, but just equally of importance, and it fits in the acronym, is we share the gospel with others. We share. We share what we believe, and we share and let people know about the good news of the gospel. This is how we have gospel rhythms. When we think about gospel rhythms, it's not just go out and tell people about Jesus and feel good about yourself because you did it. But it's actually to really love and care for people. Notice the acronym is BLESS. We bless people. When we think about blessings, we did a few sermons on this a little over a year ago. You notice when God created everything, what, did, what is the first thing he did over that which he created? Besides saying it was good, it says, talking about Adam and Eve specifically, and God blessed them. It's the first thing he did. And we talked about God's blessing is, is a, from God because he's God, is a promise and guarantee of the goodness coming to fruition. Now, we can't promise and guarantee but we can promise that if God blesses somebody, he can promise and guarantee because it's coming from God. And so what are we trying to do? We're trying to live in such a way that we bless people. God blesses people. We want to bless people. And we do so by praying for them, by listening to them, by eating with them, by serving them, and by sharing the gospel with them. Church family, this is not complicated, but it does take great amount of intentionality. And when we talk about being a church that wants to live sense to the world around us, and we talk about having gospel rhythms, habits, where daily we're listening to people, and we're not sitting there listening to them going, oh, i got so much better things to do, but we recognize by listening to them, we're actually revealing Christ's pattern of always being busy but never being in a hurry. He wasn't bothered by interruptions. One of the stories that always sticks out in my mind is Jesus was on his way to heal someone who was on their deathbed and a woman interrupts him. I, rem- I imagine if I was the parent that I had just gone to get Jesus and he stopped to talk to someone, I would be quite anxious and frustrated. I'd be like, come on. i like, you got to go over here. But he, he, he slowed down and he was never in a hurry. He listened. He cared. 
Let us, be, let us see the value of just listening to people. We don't stop there. We welcome them and show hospitality to them. We eat with them. We share coffee with them. We spend time with them. We serve them. And then we share the good news of the gospel with them. Let us be a people. Let us be a church that lives out habits of intentionality. Now, when we think about habits, and I'll end with this practically, habits are not formed overnight. They take time. So what's a way that you can remind yourself, right? What's a way you can remind yourself to to go, how can I bless people today? It may be as simple as setting an alarm, nine o'clock in the morning, it goes off, and that's your bless alarm that reminds you to think about, all right, how can I bless someone today and have intentionality? Maybe it's uh, something in your car or by when you're, where you are brushing your teeth. That is a habit. Maybe you have a, a post-it note that just simply says bless there to remind you, how am I praying for people today? How am I listening? How am I eating and serving and sharing? So this won't happen overnight, but it'll take intentionality for us as a church to build habits of blessing people. Let us be a church of gospel rhythms. Let us be a church that shares the gospel, but then let us live questionable lives. As Paul would say to the church in Colossians chapter 4, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of our time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And then if you look at the verse on the top of your handout, it says this, Then then they will make the teaching about our God, Savior, attractive in every way. You can go read the context of that in Titus. But the point is, we want our life to be attractive to the gospel. So let us bless people. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is newhopenyc. Our website is www.newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have 4 p.m. worship gatherings on Sundays at 164-2. Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.